1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the James Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. And Jack, I'm feeling pretty inspired tonight because the Georgia Bulldogs team that people said was going to go five and seven, or six and six. People didn't know if they were going to go to a bowl game, just won the national title. And not
0: only did they just win the national title, they scored most points ever in a national title game. Not only that, the biggest margin of victory in any bowl game
1: ever. I mean, did they think they were TCU or something? Like, what was. what? I, about?
0: Either Kirby <laughs> Smart is the best like motivator uh, brainwasher in the country and that in and of itself should get him a lifetime contract at Georgia or they're just like talking about it but there's absolutely no way that the Georgia <laughs> players like in their heart of hearts like no one believed in us I, like... <laughs> you were like the consensus number one if I'm not mistaken from wire to wire right it was
1: just it was so funny it was like People were like, oh, they lost a lot to the NFL. You know, maybe they'll go 10-2. and two. Not, Nobody was like, <laughs> they're not going to have a winning record. It was just so funny. They're like, nobody believed we could win any games.
0: Also, <laughs> they schedule cupcakes, like, the entire season outside of the SEC. So, like, I sure as hell hope you're winning a lot of like. Just I, just, so I funny, love that. That was cracking me up yesterday. I really enjoyed that. It, Kirby Smart took a page out of Nick Saban's playbook, who took a page out of the Bill Belichick playbook, which is – when your team is the GOAT, make them think they suck.
1: Yeah, I want to see if Signetti can do that this year. I'm hopeful he can have him going in there like, These people
0: thought we are going to lose
1: out. They thought we wouldn't get this waiver. <laughs> we did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, great great foreshadowing to the waiver. I guess we have to talk about that later in the football section of the podcast if uh, Jamie's going to get it. But first, we have some ad reads.
1: That's pretty exciting. Three Notched Harrisonburg Valley Collab House. Visit it. We love three-notch. They're scattered across Virginia. Some of the best beer, I would say, across the Commonwealth. I love it. I'm looking forward to to stopping in. Haven't been in a while. I know our friend Brian was trying to get me to go down, or both of us, to go. I guess you would go up for the JMU App State game. Glad we didn't agree to that trip. That would have been something. (laughs) But uh, we'll have to get back there at some point and and have some three-notch. Well, it depends if the
0: season gets back on the rails, because if not, I don't know if I want to watch a sad excuse for a basketball team play a game in the AUBC. But also, um, Adam Markowitz, let us know to let you guys know that the Fresh Beer Club with three-notched is an awesome value and something if you are near a three-notch that you should be signing up for. Two exclusive fresh beers, three pint cards for just $20 a month. That's two, I believe, six packs, two or two, four packs of fresh beers. Comes right out of the pot or wherever they make the beer. And you're getting it fresh. Three pint card. Not exactly sure what that means. But well, you can find out more if you go to threenotchedbrewing.com. And then Fridays, first tap Fridays in the Valley Collab House only. Harrisonburg exclusive releases every Friday. From Brewer Nick Branson, so first tap Fridays, Harrisonburg exclusives, and of course, you mentioned it—they have 14 options on draft and an expansive selection of beer to go. So,
1: heck yeah, that's exciting stuff.
0: You know what else is exciting stuff?
1: Golf season's back. I bet you golf can bet season on that is somewhere. back.
0: Did Morikawa blow a lead this weekend?
1: He, I think he went into the final round. I forget his exact lead, but he was up, he was up at like seven shots on John Rom on like uh it's like a resort course, so fairly easy. Ends up losing to Rom. He was the only player in the 40 person field to bur I mean to bogey three holes in a row, and he did it on the back nine Sunday with a lead. So pretty tough scene for him there. And didn't
0: he not have a bogey going into the final round? It was something like that. Yeah, he was
1: playing out of his mind, but yeah, he like great. forgot Good how for to him. chip, which is tough Good for him.
0: Uh, bet online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL bowl season just ended to esports, you'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. You want to bet on Swedish ping pong? They got you. We're the easiest and fastest way to bet on all of your favorite leagues and events, including golf. Head to betonline.ag, that's betonline.ag, to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE. Remember, that's how you spell it, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. A 50% welcome bonus is something you do not want to miss out on. Bet online, where the game starts.
1: JMU had some major esports success recently. The Breeze wrote about it. Haven't had a Good chance to that. read it yet, but Good for some them. interesting stuff.
0: You know what wasn't an interesting stuff this weekend?
1: Men's basketball team, are they broken? are they broken or did they we just think they were fixed? I have so many thoughts about the men's basketball team. I guess we'll start on the sort of the smaller. You texted level. me and you
0: said we gotta keep this podcast quick. So if you have thoughts, we might have to ramble through these quickly or we might be having ourselves a three hour podcast.
1: I don't have to, I don't have too many advanced thoughts. But okay, <laughs> so we, we go into last podcast, right? We're talking about how at least I was, I was talking about how if they could win three of the next four, that's already gone. That they would have been positioned well for, right, winning the regular season title. I mean, one of the first two games on the road, including a road win at Marshall, we're talking regular season title. Then they go home and they lose to Texas State by a point.
0: Those were some of the biggest games of the season, though. Like the way this schedule is laid out, like Mm -hmm. those two games meant a lot.
1: They were in a good spot, right? They were in a really good spot to sort of take control of the Sun Belt early. And then you have Texas State with a one-point loss. We're like, all right, it could have went either way. Late And then they lay another egg against App State at home two days later. I don't know. What's sort of your your thought from those two losses after we were so high on them last week?
0: So I did the post-game reaction right afterwards. And the Texas State one, I was not, like, sad about. You know, I wasn't – I was sitting at the Texas State, and I rationalized that loss in my mind. That Okay, I, I get it. It's not the end of the world. It's something you want. But at the end of the day, things didn't go your way. It's a conference loss against a team in Texas State that I think is going to be a top-four team in the Sun Belt. You look at what they lost after last season, they lost 90% of their scoring, 90% of their men. They lost a huge chunk of huge players from last season. So they're still trying to figure out what their lineup was coming into conference play. First couple games of conference play didn't go their way. And so you would expect Texas State to figure out how to start winning cuz they're not a bad team. They're not Texas State football. Texas State is a legit basketball program in the Sun Belt. And then App State loss That was just a terrible loss for so many reasons. Uh you could point to the turnovers coming at the absolute worst time. You could point to just their magnitude of turnovers, 16 on the game. Technically, they had a plus 1 in the turnover differential, so I'm not really chalking up turnovers as much as a problem. What scares me about this team is their shooting. At their peak when they're hitting a lot of shots, this is a great team. But they don't know how to win when their shot isn't dropping. And I know that sounds counterintuitive. Like, how are you going to score? How are you going to win when your shots aren't dropping? They were 15 of 21 from inside three feet. They were five of 35 from outside of three feet. You were eating in the paint. Why didn't you continue to push down low? I just don't get like, it seems like they're live by the three, die by the three, and there's no middle ground.
1: Yeah. Like you look at like the Ken Palm numbers, right? And their three point percentage is respectable, but it was like high end at the beginning of the season. It's taken a significant dip here here recently, I guess with the conference, I mean, you look at them like in conference, their, their offense has been one of the worst in, in the entire conference. So, I mean, you, like their three point percentage in conference play is literally the worst in the Sun Belt at 24.2%. It's horrible. It's it, horrible. And they, they're also turning, so they can't shoot the three and they're turning it over at over 20% of their possessions. It's like uh, the same thing we've talked about where it's like, Hey, it's a small ball lineup that has inconsistent three-point shooting, and they don't even take care of the ball well, and they don't have a big. Like, it's a very confusing roster build. (laughs) It's the same.
0: And this team, So now I'm getting heated over this, and and we might go a little bit off the rails, but they perform really well in the paint. They do. Like, for a small ball team, they shot 15 of 21 from inside three. They're the best free throw team in the Sun Belt as of right now in conference play. You were third in the conference in two-point percentage. You, you find success from inside of the arc. You had success from inside of the arc against App State. You had success from inside of the arc against Texas State. But you just jacked threes for no reason or take long-range contested fadeaway jumpers for no reason.
1: It's it's really <laughs> it's mind-boggling at times, and then it's right. You're, you mentioned that they what they're drawing thousand conference on like fifty percent of their possessions or something absurd, but they're shooting like sixty-seven percent, which is like. Toward the bottom half of the sumbo then play so they get to correcting that.
0: Thank you for correcting that. I said that wrong, but yes.
1: they're but they're getting to the line. They're making two point shots. It's just frustrating because like, oh, you could do that all game, but then they have other times where they dribble into the lane, bounce the ball off their foot, and it's like you just can't be that sloppy with the ball. And it's it's tough too because it's not like it's like oh, a true freshman dribbled it off his foot. It's like not. I've watched that guy play for three years, and he was like, he's played a lot of college basketball, and a lot of the players have to commit some of those were like really stupid mistakes. Did you watch this beginning of the second half? I didn't watch
0: the app game. Okay. So let me explain to you how this second half started. You're down 15, not a good first half. You got to come out firing on all cylinders in the second half, right? So app state gets the ball. They push down looking good, but the defense is holding them. I think it goes out of bounds, a kicked ball, something where it resets the shot. App State ends up having the ball like continuous possession for a minute to start the half with zero points coming out of it. Good job, defense. They get the ball turnover like right away. You, They crossed half court and they turned it over. App State pushes back down. No points. Jamie gets a turnover. They get the stop. They go back the other way. Right away, a turnover. They come back. There's no point scored again. They get the ball, push it back. And it gets obliterated at the hoop. They just block the poopy out of it. And then App State's like on a quick break, on a fast break, and they score. And like that right there was just kind of you're sitting there and you're like, you just held them scoreless for 90 seconds, 120 seconds. That was an opportunity to get five points back and cut it to 10 like that or something, you know. And instead, you got one shot out of it. That was a terrible shot.
1: It's frustrating. I think the the big thing that I've said before, and I kind of stand by, is like it's not the end of the world that they've lost these two games. Like they're still in the Sun Belt mix. What's frustrating is that Jamie fans have waited for years for the men's basketball program to be semi-relevant. And every time they like pull you in, they give you a taste, and they're like, "Oh, you know, we're in a spot now where what are they? They're six and one, and we have a chance to win this little you know early season tournament. All we got to do is beat a crappy Valpo team." No, and they can't do it, right? And then you're like, oh, okay, well, you are about to have this huge winter break going into Christmas where you could be 10-2, and two, ending the non-conference. All you got to do is win on the road at Coppin State. And it's like, oh, they gave up 107 in double overtime. <laughs> and then it's like you get the two conference wins. You're like, wow, you were in prime position to set yourself up for an NIT berth and a regular season title. And they're like, what if we laid two massive home eggs instead and it's not their fault it's not this team's fault no one's mad like some people probably are but at this specific team it's more of like you've been stringing jmu fans along for decades and even just us for like five plus years or whatever (laughs) where it's like oh we got matt lewis who's like a borderline nba player we just went 10 and 21 like what are you what are they doing it's just one that's frustrating because like time after time they draw you in you're like oh this could be the year that they make something happen win a conference title and they go out and they just have these inexplicable losses with a team that's way more talented than some of the results. It, it just adds up over time, and becomes very frustrating. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's not fun.
0: What what was your takeaway from JMU fans saying it was they came out flat because the environment was flat?
1: I get that a little bit, but at the same time, it's like. Again, it's not like that specific team, but like as a program, like you can't say anything about the crowds when you just don't do anything for 30 years. You know, like win games, be real, yeah. beat Coppin state, go out and win some of these games where it's like, God, you know, if the fans were there and it was raucous, maybe we win. It's like, why don't you just win? Yeah. <laughs> just win the game. You, you had an, an opportunity. I, the atmospheres were dead
0: though. Yeah. They, they were, were crappy. <laughs> they were terrible. Texas state. Maybe, maybe the atmosphere plays a difference. I don't think the atmosphere plays a difference against app. Like it was the final score was 71 62, but app held like a 19 point lead for 75% of the second half. So like that game wasn't close. Final score makes it look, Oh, maybe some late free throws and they pulled away. No, 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 no. Um, I also wrote a few other things post game to talk about on the pod and you hit upon them. I wrote same old Dukes can't build upon wins (laughs) But something that's a little worrisome, and you talked about missed opportunity to get the community to really buy in, but that kind of plays into stringing them along. Something that has worried me now that we've seen in almost every game, and it hasn't really bit them until these last two, they go on these really extreme lulls. They go on five-plus-minute scoring droughts multiple times in a game, which is quite amazing considering there's only 40 minutes in a game.
1: I think you've got I guess my quick explanation would be you got three guys which is Molson Morse and Friedell who are taking the most of your shots and those are kind of your go-to guys and I, I wouldn't say any of them have been uh, efficient offensively this season from like a scoring perspective so that that feels like right you're in a in a rut and it's like all right let's go to our guy and like if your guy just puts his head down drives a lane, and takes a contested jumper it's like maybe that ends the drought or maybe that's like the whole reason you're, you're in, in drought. a drought. I still really like this team and think they have a bunch of potential and could, you know, turn the year around. I think the other thing that like some people are getting upset and they're like, Oh, you know, there's, there's no reason, Jamie, you should lose to these teams, Texas state and app state, pretty solid programs in terms of like the Sun Belt. So I think that's fair. And the other thing that I, I guess the one main point that I'll get out is like, if we looked at Jamie's resume as so a, let's say we were had a Texas state podcast. And we looked at JMU's resume and we looked through their Ken Palm. The number one word I would have, like when describing Jamie, would be fraud. Like I would look at them and immediately do our bit where it's like they're a fraud. Because like <laughs> they didn't play anybody. Yeah. They haven't beaten anybody. Like you look at their wins. They're terrible. The best win is 82nd Ken Palm Marshall. Right. It's like they have the nice Marshall win. And then you look at some of the games like, like LIU is one of the worst teams in college basketball. Hampton's one of the worst teams in college basketball. They have three non-D1s, right? So you take out those two horrible teams and the three non-D1s, and they're six and six. I know they played North Carolina and UVA, but it's like they're kind of inflated with some of the stuff. So yeah. if, if we were looking at it from a very unbiased view, we'd be like, oh, what a major fraud they are. So, And and like you
0: said, the season, they are frauds, um, but <laughs> the season's by no means over. Like no. we said pre-Sunbelt and like kind of our breakdown. I think we even said it with Nick from mid-major madness, we're like the team that wins the Sun Belt will probably have four to five losses because mm-hmm. this is not a bad conference. If I'm not mistaken, they should be hovering around number 14 in the country. They're 15th in the country, right? Now of power ranking the conferences around who you'd expect them to be. And it's a, roughly what the CAA has been, but this is a conference. It's going to, you're going to lose some games. You should and you're going to win some games. You should, shouldn't, but now you have a stretch to finish out January of South Alabama, Georgia Southern, Troy, Southern Miss, Coastal, and Louisiana Monroe. It, I'm not saying you have to, but you kind of got to go four and two in that stretch.
1: I think so. I think so.
0: To have If you have a legitimate like
1: hope of, ma- of winning the Sunbelt regular season. Yeah, you got to have a good stretch here coming up and then nobody's like that intimidating in the Sun Belt. You just have to play more
0: You have to play consistently, consistently. and that's yeah. not what JMU does.
1: And I'm not totally down on them. Like, I like some things they do. I like Byington. It's just, it is really, it feels like they pull you in. It's like, wow, this team could be, yeah, this team could be special. But at the same time, like, I do think their, their peak, like their ceiling is really good. I just assumed they had a much higher floor. Yeah. Given some of the players they had, I figured it was like, all right, you can play UVA like that on the road. <laughs> right. Like, you should be able to take care of business at home against two, like kind of probably middle of the Pakistan belt teams. I think Texas state, you're right. is starting to play better. They're starting to play better. I could see them finishing in the top, at the very least, the top half.
0: I'll also say this about app watching. That was the second game I've watched of app this season. Like they're a team that's going to Jack the three. And so if they're hitting them, which they were like, you don't stand a chance. So I know I bring up Charlotte all the time, and it's kind of a running joke, but when they played Charlotte, they hit their threes in the first half of the first half, so the Mm -hmm. first quarter of the game, and they got up 25 or something like that. And then for the rest of the game, they went ice cold and went like one of 20 from three. Charlotte came back and won. In this game, I think App State just was more consistent with their threes, and if App's hitting their threes, you, you kind of have a tall task ahead of you.
1: Plus, also, they yeah.
0: played a 2-3 zone, which they had never played all season, and that just threw JMU for a complete 180. They didn't know how to break up the zone.
1: It's also like uh, like the defense did some okay things against App in terms of like the overall numbers. I think you'd like them to be a little better from 2-point, but it's like you can't go 4-26 of from 3 yourself right, and get away with it.
0: I like the defense. I think the defense mm-hmm. is really good, and the bad offensive play, specifically in the App State game, put the defense in positions where like you're hoping they miss a shot you know like if the they offense shot. if if the offense can hit their shots or hit more at a higher percentage and you can get set on your defense and get your full court sets going this defense is the best in the conference by far
1: I think that's the thing where it's it's kind of frustrating, right? Because <laughs> sometimes it's very simple with basketball and it's like, oh, they didn't make their shots. But I think they were 21%, if my math is correct, 21% from three-point range over those two games. Like if you do that ever, it's like it's not going to work, especially in league games. So it's yeah. one where if like they shoot their season average or anywhere near it, they're 3-1 and one or 4-0 oh in league play. And even if they win those games, you know, by a couple points, we're not even talking about it like it's an issue. It's just so frustrating to have the home games. Yeah. To have this prime opportunity to get to 4-0 and then to just throw up a bunch of bricks <laughs> is like,
0: ah, oh, <laughs> like why? Um, but... It, <laughs> You can, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's just, thought. it's
1: just a heartbreaker for you. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, I was, I was so bought in after the Marshall win where I was like, they didn't even have Morse and they're going to get him back and start cruising through some of the play. I was like, what if they, if they went out, what's the at large situation look like? And then they lose to Texas state. And it's like, uh, why, why did you do this?
0: Remember, remember when I texted you after the te- you and Dom after the Texas state game. And I was like, if you told us that we'd be two and one with a road win against Marshall without Morse. You would take that. And then you're, like, sitting at 2-2, and and you're like, oh. Also, here's – I have two questions for you, and then I have a take I want to hit you with and get your your unfiltered reaction to. Two questions. First, I'm going to hit you with both of them. If they lost to Georgia State and Marshall and then won Texas State-App State, would you have a different feeling on this team? And then secondly, if these two losses weren't back-to-back, but they both were home losses – and like say this one say the Texas State one was still January fifth and the App State one was February eleventh. So that, say those were the two. How does that impact it? You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> Pretty good questions. For the the second one, the back to back hurts, especially because it's like recency bias, right? like the most recent game they played were two disappointing <laughs> losses. So it's easy to be like, well, they're broken again. These are the Dukes that we know, like losers. When it's like, it's not really true. Like they have played really well in some of the games. I know that they have like a fraud schedule, but they beat the crap out of the fraud schedule, which is why they have like the efficient and numbers. The Buffalo
0: win is like looking better. Cause like Buffalo started, po- Buffalo's yeah. 182 in Ken Palm and they want it on the road at Buffalo. So that's looking better too, as like season goes
1: on. Yeah. So it's like a a surface level glance is like fraud. And then you look at the scores and you're like, okay, well, that's, those are something. So they have that going for them. Uh, the, The two in a row is obviously tough. I think I'm almost more positive that they won the first two than if they had flipped that, right? Like the win at Marshall makes me think, okay, like they can win the league. If they had gone out and lost those two and then won these two, I might be a little bit concerned about how they would match up with like a Marshall or something. I feel really positive about them. I'm disappointed in the showings because they had that opportunity to like kind of take control of the league, but I don't know. I still feel really, uh, I still feel really positive about their season long outlook in the future under Byington.
0: I love it. All right, put your put your take glasses on. Whatever it is, whatever. I can't wait. Get your get your oven mitts out because this one's going to be a little hot to the touch. Mark Byington is Matt Brady
1: 2.0. I do like the
0: spicy take. They're the same. Not That's not a bad thing. But it, it goes back to the analogy I made about the elevator a few podcasts ago. We want to be in the penthouse. Brady got us to the 75th floor. We're right back at, like, the 70th floor. <laughs>
1: It's an interesting one because they're like 2016 numbers in terms of like defense was a little better. Obviously they play differently where we're like crazy fast now. And like the, the Matt Brady team didn't turn the ball over an absurd amount, but they also <laughs> didn't force turnovers so it was like the reverse. There's some similarities in terms of numbers for sure. I think that's, that's also kind of the frustrating part, especially for me. And I think some of the younger fans too, right. Where it's like they had Matt Brady and they were like, Matt, We want to be an NCAA tournament team. You're not doing it for us. See ya. Well, what have you done since you you got rid of him? Like, not been an NCAA tournament team. You got significantly worse for a stretch. You
0: were one of the worst basketball teams in the country for a solid three-year stretch.
1: And now you've grown to the level of being as good as you were in matt brady's season that you deemed not good enough that's so annoying as a fan again it's like nothing against this team which fans are rooting for and think they can be great and have a lot of potential god it is infuriating to be like yeah the standard is the standard you didn't meet it and then six years later to be like guys you should be positive we're right back at the level and it only took us six years to regain the matt brady's success like oh my god
0: so, would you agree with me that he's Matt Brady two or do you think he's a better coach? I honestly don't know. I honestly okay. think I think Matt Brady's a good coach. I think he was. Yeah. I think he was great. I not great, but like they were what they were. Was he was. He's
1: not a day. bad coach, and he had a lot of success at Marist, and he's like he's a pretty decent coach. I think the thing with Byington that's that's I don't know about frustrating, but he started as a head coach in twenty fourteen the twenty fourteen season. I don't think he's ever taken a team to the tournament. I don't know if he's even gone to the NIT.
0: I think he took Georgia Southern once.
1: Did they go in? I don't think he took them. It's
0: not like we have this information right at our fingertips.
1: Let me look up Mark Byington Wikipedia. Because I feel like that's No, he big... didn't.
0: No, he didn't. They they won the regular season in yeah. 2019. So he did he not that.
1: Go. Okay. Okay. So what, he probably had an NIT in there.
0: And his highest Ken Palm is 103.
1: Yeah. Okay, so he has he has gone to uh, maybe that's an assistant, but anyway, he's he's done some decent. I mean, he's not a bad coach. Like, I don't think he's a bad coach. He was also at Georgia Southern, which the second right. he
0: leaves becomes a bottom feeder. Son, like that's not. You, how do you recruit to Statesboro?
1: He's a he's a solid coach. It's just Brady was also a solid coach. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's, I'd like to see him take a step. It's just I don't know. Something Is it too much team. to ask to
0: go out and sign? I don't know. Rick Pitino.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just go grab. But it's the stuff that bothers me a little bit. is like, I don't know. Well, obviously the roster management where they don't have a big guy, but whatever. It's the fact that like they play super fast and they have like maybe two glaring flaws. And it's like, they turn the ball over, like the shooting kind of inconsistent, but it's not horrible. They turn the ball over. And then like defensively, they just, you look at like the efficiency stuff. They do not block any shots. It's like, oh, well, could you get a big shot blocker? They're last in blocking shots. Yeah, well, then the stuff, it bothers me too, right? When they talk to the media, it's like Sunbelt doesn't really play like that. It's like every time they play a Sunbelt team, there's a seven-footer.
0: We'll get into the seven-footer that they're going to be facing off this weekend too. That's like maybe they do
1: have some (laughs) (laughs) seven-footers. We were only a few games in, but I'm calling calling BS early on that. There's no big guy's (laughs) stake. All right. So it's a time everyone's
0: been waiting for Three-notch preview. We're breaking down this upcoming weekend, South Alabama and Georgia Southern. South Alabama game is in South Alabama. The Georgia Southern game is back at the AUBC. South Alabama comes into this one 7-9, 1-3 in Belt play. They were pegged as a third-place third finisher in the preseason media poll. They are ranked 198 in Ken Palm. And they play at a slow tempo. They don't really have an efficient offense, but they have a slightly more efficient defense. But this is where it comes into a fun part. They have Isaiah Moore, Kevin Samuel, and Owen White. Owen White plays a lot of minutes, 86.6% of minutes. And then Isaiah Moore and Kevin Samuel. Kevin Samuel is a 7-foot kid who is wildly efficient near the rim and is going to pose a lot of problems for JMU. And the Georgia Southern game, it's Brian Berg is in his third season. He took over for Mark Byington after Byington left. Uh, This will be an interesting kind of homecoming, but not a homecoming because it's in Harrisonburg. Uh, 10-7, and they're 3-1 and in Sunbelt play. First place in Sunbelt currently. They were pegged as the 11th place team. I mean, they're 2-12 in Kempom. They have a wildly inefficient offense, more inefficient than South Alabama. Defensively, they're much better. They're 155 in the nation in defensive efficiency. They play at a slow tempo. This is kind of what Texas State and App State were like last week. Not great offenses, really solid defenses, and JMU was handcuffed by both.
1: Yeah, that's probably what I'm most interested to see, right, is they talked a lot to the media afterwards where it's like, we couldn't control the tempo. They played slow. We ended up playing slow. and We're terrible in the half court.
0: They are on okay. the half
1: court. All right. Well, can you, can you control the tempo or can you be better in the half court? Cause you're gonna have to pick one of the two. Yeah, Maybe you can do a little bit of both. We'll see. But these games are huge because then you have a road games against Troy and Southern Miss, which if I'm not mistaken are at the top of the league right now at three and one along with a couple others and sort of are expected to not be frauds where Georgia Southern feels like more of a fraud. So it's, it's a spot where like, Okay, you missed your chance to go take control of it. You gotta at least get one this weekend of action to keep yourself kind of in the race. You, you might need, need both if you and want you might need to, to.
0: If, if you want to stay in the race,
1: you need to go make it happen. Control the tempo or or execute in the half court. Because if they drop both of these games, they're staring
0: staring at a six game lot losing streak dead in the face. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and that's a scary thought. Um, because then all of a sudden the twenty win season is a question. <laughs>
1: basically dead if they lose the next four. <laughs> uh,
0: but you know whose twenty one season hopes are not dashed and they probably will hit the twenty win mark before February.
1: Women's basketball, man. I They're don't thriving. know
0: if that's possible, actually. Let's see. They need nine wins. No, they need they them. could. They could.
1: They're They're 14-2, and they have six games left in in January.
0: All right, let's do it.
1: So it's possible to get to 20-2 by the end of the month, which would be insane.
0: And I think it's very possible because they just went on the road, took down Marshall 74-67, then went on the road, built up a massive lead against Southern Miss. They did blow it, and ended up winning (laughs) (laughs) 63-54.
1: They're playing – I'm just very happy with this team. They're playing well. It's it's also wild to see Kozlova go from, like, barely able to score to, like, oh, I can't miss a shot, and I have an array of post moves. <laughs> she scored 17
0: against Marshall, 18 against Southern Miss.
1: Her last three games, 10 of 12 from the floor, 6 of 8, 7 of 7. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> She's been phenomenal. Kiki Jefferson hasn't even been that efficient recently, but she's still averaging 18 and eight. She's pretty well positioned to be player of the year, assuming they sort of stay atop the league. I don't know. I'm thrilled. I'm really excited about the way they're playing 14 and two. They seem like they're on their way to, at the very least, a WNIT berth. Like they're just, they're doing things really well. The defense has gotten so much better from early in the season and they have offensive threats and it's, you know, I kind of assumed it would be the, kobe king hawaii show she's only played sort of a handful of minutes the last few games
0: yeah she played five minutes against marshall seven minutes against southern miss do you know of anything that is impacting that she was in a boot a few games ago is she battling with injury or, or has nothing come out about that
1: i don't entirely know specifically i imagine maybe sort of easing her back in and, and not rushing it especially since she hadn't played a lot before that really so there might be some you know she hasn't played more than she only played more than 10 minutes in one game this year so they've they've gone kind of slow with her but she offensively she has a ton of moves I think she'll figure it out as the season goes on to have her you know as a bench option or whatever is pretty absurd so I'm very excited about them I might try to go watch them play Troy on the 21st Oh cuz we'll be there you know we'll be we'll be near the region yeah we'll, for... uh, we'll be around the area <laughs> yeah so I'll, I might swing back on my way up and see if I can watch them play Troy cuz I think Troy is supposed to not suck is that correct I may have to convince Eva on that as well. It's <laughs> gonna <laughs> be a good pitch. <laughs> Do you wanna, Do you wanna watch go watch game? mid-major
0: women's basketball with me? <laughs> and
1: Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'll be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Troy 3 1 league. That could be a good game. We're looking at a pretty good team in the league, and you've got the assistant coach that we stole from Troy. So there's a little bit of a rivalry. It's also
0: hilarious how like this team. And I don't know what this goes to show, but this team looked rudderless. This team looked like not good last season and against Maine to start the season, which I'm always going to bring up the main. I'm going to find a way to mention Maine each podcast, but like, especially last season, they're getting like two assists a game and 15 turnover. Like they just looked not good last year. And like, there was not a lot of hope coming into this year. Is it that important to have players in their right role? Like Peyton McDaniel coming back into the lineup and Kozlova figuring it out. Like all of a sudden Claire Neff is playing two roles down and is excelling in her spot. Annalisha Goodman is an ass to play a lot of minutes. Steph Odekirk, she's starting, but she's not necessarily asked to play 15 plus minutes and take more than five shots a game. Like, is it that important to just have your roles filled correctly?
1: It's so cool to watch them play and like not seemingly play that well and pick up like meaningful conference road wins where it's like, Oh, like this is what it's like when you're fully healthy. (laughs) I understand now you can play defense and do things offensively. So it's, yeah, I think it is that important to have them in their roles. Cause we were talking that Maryland Eastern shore game where they were like down at halftime and even, but even they had that close Hampton game. And we were like talking. We're like, I, I don't know about this group. You know, <laughs> Coach I think and... they had
0: really bad turnover. There's <laughs> just a turnover ratio, too. And then you're like, here comes. We know the story. The Hawks classic is going to get ugly.
1: Yeah, we're like, oh, God, that could be could be brutal there against a couple of decent teams. And then apparently I think, O'Reagan, according to this a DNR article, kind of laid into him after the Hampton game. <laughs> it was like, what are we doing? And the whole team was sort of hashing stuff out. And since then, they've won, what is that, six games in a row, all very impressively. I think the smallest margin of victory in there is seven points, and it's the road game at Marshall. Four of the wins are are by double digits, and other ones by nine. Like, they've just really clicked, and some of it is getting people healthy, but the fact that they're playing defense well, I'm just excited. Everything looks good. I'm going to look up her hoop stats before my subscription expires (laughs) and uh, check them out because they're playing great right now. I'm, I'm stoked about them. 4-0
0: 4-0 in Sunbelt. Next four in Sunbelt are all at home. App State, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, and Troy. So they, not to get way too far ahead of myself, but I'm going to get way too far ahead of myself, could be staring at 8-0 and in conference play. And then the following four games, this is very interesting scheduling, all on the road at Coastal, at Georgia State, at South Alabama, and at Georgia Southern. And then the rest of the season goes on into February, so won't necessarily go forward. But of their next eight games, there is a strong possibility they win them all.
1: Yeah, they're in a great spot right now. Her Hoop Stats. I apparently have lost my subscription, so that's ah. that's a bummer. But they're um, I'm not
0: paying the five hundred dollars a year to get her. <laughs> I think hoop it's stats like
1: right. it's like more than double what Ken Palm is, which is just absurd because it's like way less. Ken Palm's only like twenty dollars a year, days, which is great. That's like fifty oh, for her it. Hoop Stats. I can't pay $50 for that. It's
0: a year. I mean, well, if
1: it was like the same interface, I would consider it to be honest with you, but it's, it's not the same interface. It's not a
0: great interface. You can't compare easily either. Like,
1: no. Well, yeah, I want to just see what the Sunbelt is like. And I also don't know what it means. You know, it's hard to find like, what is that? What is your, her hoop stats rating mean? Where Ken Palm is like, this is what efficiency means. So, and it's set, up, it's set up in a grid on Ken Palm, which is nice. And it has, like, a green where it's like they're doing well, you know. I guess they still have some of that in her. Sense. But anyway, I'm stoked about this team. Stoked about both teams if the men can get – can sort of flip a switch, make some threes.
0: Is that all it's going to take just to hit their shots? Like, is think it think that simple? Few,
1: it might be just making some threes because the defense has been good. and the, Well, and the turnovers are disgusting.
0: Yeah, but, like, do you mask the turnovers by – hitting your threes
1: they code a little bit i think the part that frustrates me is is ken Palm's got them the men's side almost it's ten and a half percent of their possessions are like not just turnovers they're steals it's like live ball turnovers that they're like giving up fast breaks on it's like it's not even just you know dribbling it off your foot to turn it over on 20 percent of your possessions oh it tough. went down it's. <laughs>
0: it was 22 – wait, that was conference. In conference, conference play, they're turning it over 22% of play. So, so in so conference 22% play, of their times, they have the ball. They turn it over. Yeah,
1: so it's like one-fifth to one-quarter of the times they're doing that. And then when they go down and shoot a three, they're making it, you know, one-quarter of the times, one-fifth of the time. And then
0: on top of that, they're not rebounding offensively, so you're not getting second-chance points. So, really, you're having – there was a point in the App State game where App State had 40 shots and JMU had, like, 22 and the announcers were like, How does that happen? Yeah,
1: it's bad. Can't turn the ball over, or at least offensive rebound. But you know, they've constructed a lineup that can't do that because the Sun Belt doesn't do that, I've been told. In,
0: except that they're playing a seven foot, wildly efficient seven footer. We're still winning from, the belt, though. We're still gonna win this tournament. If Jamie is able to shut down the seven footer from South Alabama, I'll be vastly
1: impressed. <laughs> this is the Jamie basketball fandom where it's like if they can do this one thing i'm all the way back in
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's the smallest thing also real quick before we get to football to end it out i just want to shout out alonzo sule homie's got some butterfingers for hands but when he actually gets the ball he's one of the most efficient players on the team and in the
1: nation and then Amadi's shooting 70% from two. Like it's like, This is what it, I'm it saying. Just... Get the
0: ball inside. Get it inside. Stop with the threes. Get it inside. Play inside out. Get into the paint. Get inside three and put up your shot. That's it. It's that simple. <laughs>
1: <sighs> and don't turn it over. Thank Man, you. There's...
0: Well, I mean, that's not important. Just get it inside.
1: <laughs> I wish we could coach for a game. The <laughs> Just screaming,
0: stop turning it over. Make your shots. What do you Coach, what do you inside? want us to
1: do? Entry pass, entry pass, entry pass. Kick out, kick out, kick out, and make it. And stop turning it over, boys, and we'll be fine. Why isn't buying just say that? God.
0: Well, football. So the football thing. side of things,
1: real quick. Uh no transfers
0: <laughs> have week.
1: What's that? No transfers have come through in the last week. No, they just got two. They just got two. They did. Yeah, they, they just got two. They got um this big tight end from Pitt.
0: Another tight end.
1: Another tight end. So they're loaded at tight end. They got Horton. They got um, Taylor Thompson. Taylor Thompson. Now they got this this right, right from uh, Pitt. Six three two sixty five athletic. Sounds a Drew Painter, Painter type. He's a big guy. And then they added, who else did they add? They added somebody else. I don't know. Let me look it up.
0: Um, while you're looking that up, I want you to also think, because I know it's oh. really easy to look. Okay, hit me.
1: It was It's Emmanuel Bush. He's a defensive tackle from Marshall. 6'1", 290. Oh, yeah. Had a sack and a half against the Dukes last year.
0: That's also a weird one. You You flipped a kid, essentially flipped him.
1: Kind of an interesting Delta. one. Sounds like it'll help, though, in the trenches. They, I think the defense will be really good. Apparently, is coming back. Not confirmed, but people have talked, and they're like, they haven't been that active on the edge in the portal. Which ESPN had a little thing where they put JMU in the way too early top 25, and they had nine projected defensive starters coming back, and they said that Edwards and Swan were leaving. Makes it seem like you could. I know... Uh, Noah on one of the DNR podcasts had floated that he has a year of eligibility, I guess, which I didn't even realize. And he hasn't announced anything officially, Yeah, but it, it, you know, kind of sounds like he might be coming back. I'm sure somebody at the Breeze could figure it out. Wouldn't he have to be in classes in like a week?
0: <laughs> Great point. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> um,
1: so, I don't know. Maybe he was going to go through the the summer anyway, so you wouldn't know. And last question for you. Oh, yeah. Likelihood that they get this waiver. I don't, it seems like they're going to. I don't know. They talk about it confidently. It'd be a huge bummer if they can't go to a bowl or win yeah. the Sun Belt again because I'm starting to get all in on the football team. They feel like they could be loaded.
0: Am I too aggressive in saying that JMU is the best team in Virginia? I think they are.
1: Like, even like, if I like, don't
0: think it's close either.
1: I think there could be a pretty significant gap. I know tech's done some decent stuff in the portal, but like if they return like that entire defense for JMU and they can get like any level of improvement in the secondary, that's which you would be... assume.
0: Cause they're all freshmen and sophomore. Like you'd assume there is growth.
1: So you're looking at like the best secondary in the group of five. I mean,
0: honestly, not the best the secondary,
1: best defense
0: in the, co- maybe even in like, if you look at all the football from across the world, it might be the best secondary. <laughs>
1: The defense can be so efficient next year. And then if like they find some stuff offensively, offensive line comes back. I love what they've added in the portal of receiver and running back. Quarterback, I think they're gonna be okay. If not great.
0: Shocking to me that there has been no one entering the portal of note.
1: Yeah, maybe somebody paid up. Maybe we got a bag man. No, not that's not
0: I meant Billy (laughs) Atkins.
1: I'm, I am surprised they haven't had, yeah, with two quarterback transfers that Barnett and, and Atkins haven't announced anything yet. If they stay, that's incredible for the depth. That quarterback, you've got a guy who started games last year. It could be your third or fourth string or second. It depends
0: a on A big-time quarterback also just entered the transfer portal. Who's that? Sam Hard, H-U-A-R-D, five-star from Washington. Behind he'll, probably
1: come, he'll come here.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like uh, – don't i'm not i mean come
1: on (laughs) i wouldn't mind us and you know three or four five-star quarterbacks and just sitting them behind each other benching them a little bit and being like the
0: alabama model the georgia model you know how it is all right anything else you want to add
1: no if the men's team is two and four when we're here next week emergency podcast we'll just call it an emergency podcast
0: We'll be on the lookout for our post-game breakdowns. I don't know if Bennett's going to have the time this weekend. It's all uh, you.
1: You're our post-game boy.
0: <laughs> it's fun, though, because I'll have, like, a beverage or two watching the game, so I'm feeling a little good afterwards, and I have to kind of watch myself so I don't say something completely out of pocket on those post-gamers. Um, but So check those out there. They they jump up live on our Twitter an hour or so after the game and just breaking down what, what I saw and kind of the initial heat of the moment um hopefully we have some winning warming up jmu will face off against south alabama thursday out south at south alabama and they'll play on january 14th back at home against georgia southern and then on the women's side they'll play app state georgia state thursday saturday both at home tip 7 p.m and 4 p.m respectively for bennett conlin Let's hope the men's team isn't 2 and 4 the next time we're recording and let's hope the women's team is 6 and 0 the next time we're recording. You all have a wonderful rest of your day.